So this, uh, this week, we celebrate a holiday. Wednesday, what is it? Valentine. Oh, I heard a guy's voice first. That's awesome. Kudos to you. Valentine's Day is Wednesday. And uh, we were going to, I was planning on starting a series and working through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which talks about love. But I figured this, because of Valentine's Day, instead we're going to start actually uh, in Mark. We'll just uh, talk about the greatest commandment, which is love. And I know, I, I think I talk about love often, but have you noticed what book talks about love quite a bit? The Bible. If you look at the Bible, the Bible is full of love. It talks about what it is and what it isn't. And so I thought it would be a good reminder for us as we get ready, as we prepare to celebrate a day of love, that we as believers have an idea of what love is all about, what the greatest commandment is all about. Uh, so we're going to be in Mark chapter 12, but before we do that, let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord, we just come before you this morning, and we thank you, Lord, for all that you've, uh, all that you've done for us and all that you continue to do. Lord, and this morning as we uh, spend time in your word and in Mark, as we just talk about love, Lord, I just pray that you would make it clear to us what love is and, and how we can love you and how we can love those around us. Please uh, just guide and direct us every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage here starts off with a simple question. A simple question. Uh, because it's, hey, what is this? But before we... Uh, talk about that, let me just give you a little bit of a background of what prompts this question. If you look a few verses prior to this, what is going on? Jesus is talking to some Sadducees about the resurrection, about what that's going to look like. And if you've been coming to Sunday school, to Greg's class specifically, we've been talking about resurrection. What is it like? What's it going to be like? And a couple thousand years ago, guess what? People had the same questions. What's going to happen? So Jesus answers these questions. He answers them well. And then uh, this passage is also mentioned in Matthew. Um, but we're going to actually be out of Mark. But uh, in Matthew, this guy who comes to speak to, to Jesus is a lawyer from the Pharisees. Now, a lawyer back then isn't what we necessarily what we consider a lawyer today. But a lawyer back then was one who studied the law. And he, he knows, right, that's, that's his job, is know what the Bible says. So he comes up to Jesus, and he asks this question. Let's read verse 28 to find out what this question is. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, right? They were talking, they were conversing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the most important of all? So here, this is what we have. we have. We have guys getting together and just asking questions and just bouncing ideas off of one another. Do you ever do that? Do you ever get with a group and just bounce off ideas from one another? Do you like doing that? I, I do. I do as long as we have the ability to disagree 
and go our separate ways without us getting angry and upset with each other. Actually, this morning, I want to talk a little bit about Josh. He's not here, but he still gave me permission to talk about him. Josh last week shared an insight in Scripture last week that I thought was interesting. One of the first times I've heard about it, and I asked, well, it's a good idea, but, you know, where's your scriptural defense for it? And he didn't have one, but his comment, which I'm not going to share because that's going to get us way off topic, I thought about it all week. And towards the end of, end of last week, I was like, you know what? There is some scripture that kind of speaks into it. So maybe at first, what I th- when I first heard his idea, I'm like, man, you are way off, you know. You may be right. And so I, I was able to talk with him this morning and share with him that, you know what? There is some, maybe some scriptural backing. You may be right. The Bible doesn't say this is exactly how it's going to be. But there may be some truth in, in what you say. And that's what I like. It, it, I like to be able to talk because when you have these honest conversations with people, these open conversations, what does that do? Well, it does one of two things. Either you're right and you can strengthen your, your faith and, and your belief on that, or you realize that you're wrong and then you have an opportunity to correct what your belief, what you what you used to believe. And so that's what we need to do. Whenever, whenever we as believers, we get together and we talk and we discuss and we have a disagreement, is that going to happen? Yes. Is it okay if it happens? Yes, absolutely. Because is there any single person here who is going to be right 100% of the time? No. Okay? It's not going to happen. And so it's good that we can have these, these conversations back and forth because it's healthy, or it can be healthy as long as it's done right. And so that's what these scribes would do, religious leaders. They would get together, and they would discuss. And he's asking this scribe, this lawyer is coming to Jesus, what's the most important? And maybe they were looking for a couple different reasons when he said, what's the the greatest commandment, he could have been talking about two different groups of commandments. First, he could have been talking about the Ten Commandments, which are mentioned in Exodus. And you can go back to Exodus, and, um, Exodus 20, and you can go through and read uh, what they were. So maybe you say, okay, out of the Ten, what is it? Or maybe he was taking out of the additional commandments, because um, Jews, beyond the Ten, do you know how many commandments they, they have that we find in in the Old Testament? Like 613. So he could have been asking, okay, Jesus, out of our 600 plus commandments, which one's the greatest? Because that's what these guys would debate. Because they had these, um, these 600 plus commandments divided into two main groups. There were the weighty ones, and there were the light um, for us, that may be the difference between a, like a misdemeanor and a felony. Okay, all of these commandments, right? We all, we all, there's laws in this country. Some are more serious than others. And that's what they would do. Okay, so which one's here? It's like, well, I think this one is here. I don't know, that, one's a, that, that one should be over here. You know, it's like stealing a, a candy bar versus stealing a, a car. All right, both are stealing. Both are wrong. But are there different um, 
consequences for stealing it. Yeah, and so and so they would have these they would have these debates, but they were also um, divided into a couple other things. There were um, commandments, things that you were supposed to do, and then there were prohibitions, those things that you were not supposed to do. So I have it written down here. So there were two hundred out of the six hundred thirteen. 248 were commandments, 365 were prohibitions. Things, this is what you can do, and this is what you cannot do. And they even went beyond this, the leaders, to come up with even more, specifically in regards to the Sabbath. For the Sabbath, because you weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath, well, what does that mean? Well, you can only take a certain number of steps on the Sabbath. You can only go that far uh, out of the city on the Sabbath. Because if you go any further, you take one more step, then it's considered work. And then you're, you're violating the Sabbath. And don't raise your hand, but is there anybody here like that? There's the law, and then, oh, you got to define that law. So you create another 10, 20, 30 things in order to obey that. There are, there are people like that, rules inside of rules, um, in fact, there are certain people where, oh, well, this is the law. So what they do is they do something that doesn't violate the law, but it violates the spirit of the law. In youth group, we do that. In youth group, we have we play hide-and-seek. Okay, here's where you can't hide. Oh, well, this isn't technically that. And so, okay, no, you can't hide there either, you know, whether it's here or there. And, and so there's people like that. So that's, so that's what they did in Jesus speaks about these laws. In, in Matthew 23, if, if we were to look back, verse, well, we'll start with verse 1. You know, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so practice and observe what they tell you. Which that's just interesting, isn't it? These people, they're in authority, they are teaching God's word, so listen to what they say, but do not, um, but, I'm sorry, but not what they do. For they preach, but do not practice. Okay, do what they say, but don't do what they do. I mean, some of us have parents have maybe said it: "Do as I say, not as I do." That's kind of like what what the religious leaders were doing at that time. Um, continue on with verse four: They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They they have all these rules. It, you do them, but we don't have to. Or they would only do it publicly, but not when, when nobody else was watching. What I like about this passage, and it's something I tell you periodically, don't follow me. Okay? Don't, you should not be coming to church. You should not be coming to Moreland Baptist because of me. Don't come because of me. Because why? I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to disappoint you. Come because of God and because of his word, because you want to grow in your relationship with him. You know, do I try to practice what I preach? I do. But do I ever fail? Yes, I do. I do. And so uh, Jesus, you know, is, is, is being asked this question. What's the greatest commandment out of all of them? If you had to pick just one, what would it be? So let's read uh, Jesus' reply, his startling answer, because he, he sums it up 
so nicely. It says, Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Okay, what's his answer? What's, what's he say? He says, love God. And does anybody recognize what he quoted? What is that called, specifically in the Jewish culture? The Shema. Yep, the Shema. And if we go back, if we look way back in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5, this is, the, this is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That's the Shema. Now, a good Jew quotes the Shema twice a day. It's the first thing they say when they get up in the morning, and it's the last thing they say when they go to bed at night. So this would make an obvious answer. Right? Now, what are we supposed to do with that? If we continue reading in Deuteronomy 6, here's what it says. It says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So in Jewish culture, this is obviously number one. Right? The Lord our God is one, and we shall love him with every part of our fiber, with, with every part of our being. And what should we do? We should memorize God's word. Right? We should memorize it. We need to teach it to our children and so that they can teach it to their children. We need to talk about it. We need to write them down and place them where we're at so that we are, are constantly reminded of that. So here in this passage in, in Deuteronomy, who should teach children God's word? Parents. Now, does that mean the church can't or shouldn't? No. No, but the primary people to influence your children spiritually are you. Now, we as a church, we help. We have a great program on Wednesday evenings, Awana. And what do we do at Awana? We, we teach children the word, and we want them to, to memorize scripture. Now, what a great opportunity for you as parents. Like, we give you the tools. We give you a book. You can work with your children, the, the Awana sections, the Awana verses, throughout the week. And then when your child comes to a one on Wednesday night, they got them done. They're ready. And it only takes, maybe if you spend just five minutes a day with your child working on these verses, they'll have it done. They'll have it down pat come Wednesday. But why don't, why, why don't we do that as parents? Why is it so hard to do that as parents? There's so many other things to do in our day. You work all day, you get home, do you have lots of energy left, ready to go? Or are you tired? Tired. You want to rest. You want to relax. You want your, your me time. You know, you, all of these things, 
But yet, the Bible says it's our job. It's, it's our job to, to teach our children. And the church, we're here to help. We, and we, we, we want to help you any way that we can. But Awana specifically is, is a great tool that parents can utilize. It's a great tool here. This is what we want you to work on this week. It's not a whole lot. You can do more if you want. That's great. But just spending that little bit of time each and every day. So Jesus' answer, love God and love others. Love others, which is also taken from the Old Testament. If we look up Leviticus 19, 18, it says this. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Love God and love others. Those are the two most important. If you, I remember as a kid, kind of looking down on Adam and Eve. Because they only had one law they had to obey. Just one. Me, I have to do this, 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 you know, and all these other things, right? It was unfair as a child. Anybody else complain about that as a kid? Or am I the only one? Okay, good. There's at least one other person who, who thought it was unfair that they only had to obey one law. When in reality, we only have to obey one, two. But if you obey one, you will obey the second one. If you love God, you will love others. But what does that love mean? What does that love look like? If you love God, what will you do? Sacrifice? What does he say? If you love God, you will obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what? You will obey my commands. So if you, if you love God, you'll do what he says. And loving others is a way of, of following God. Because who created that person sitting next to you? God did. Do you, is it ever hard for you to love the person sitting next to you? Nope, because nobody's sitting next to you. Is it hard to love other people in this room? Sometimes. Is it ever hard for other people in this room to love you? Most definitely. Most definitely. There are times. So Jesus gives this answer. This guy comes up, hey, what's the most important? Jesus gives him two. He says, love God. And the second is this. Love your neighbor because they're they're intertwined. You can't really do one without the other. And then we have it, there's a mutual respect. There's a supportive replies right here. So let's read the scribes' reply when Jesus says that there's no other uh, commandment greater than these. Verse 32. And the scribe said to him, "You are right, teacher. You're right." You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all your heart and with all the, the understanding and with all the, the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. 
is much more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Think about that. Loving God and loving others is better than giving money to the church. It's better than sacrificing your time volunteering doing this or doing that. Loving God is more important. Even even the scribe, even somebody who will see didn't believe in Jesus Christ as his savior still saw the truth and said, Jesus, you answered correctly. And what does Jesus say? Verse 34, And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. What did Jesus say? You're close. (laughs) You are so close. Why? Because he knew the answer. But did he believe the answer? Did he really follow through? Did he really love God most and love others? See, there's a difference between knowing something in your head and knowing something in your heart. For instance, who knows that when you're driving along and there's a rectangular sign that's white with a black border and it says 55 speed limit, that that is the speed limit. How many of you know that? You, you drive by, okay, the speed limit is 55. How many of you know it here? You know what I'm going to ask next, right? How many of you believe it? Or how many of us say, yeah, I know that's what it says, but that's really just a suggestion. Or that's really just for those drivers who don't know what they're doing. I know what I'm doing, so that doesn't apply to me. We laugh because we know that we're guilty of the same thing. We know, but do we know? If I were to ask you, do you love God, what would you say? Yes, right? Yes, of course I love God. But do you love God? Do you? Second John 6 says this, this is, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. I mentioned that earlier. Do you love God? What do your actions say? Do you follow God's word? Or do you only follow it when it's convenient? Do you follow it when it's hard? Don't answer out loud, but I'm going to ask you again. According to how you live, do you love God? Do you love others? You know, a phrase I I would hear a lot when when I was younger, you know, if somebody ever said something that was inappropriate or crude, and a response would be, do you kiss your mama with that mouth? Right? Have you heard that? Well, as a Christian, it shouldn't be, do you, do you kiss your mama with that mouth? It should be, do you worship God with that mouth? 
Because we say we love God. And yet, what do we say to his creation, to, to fellow people? Do we, ever, do, we, do we really treat people with respect? You know, this Wednesday is Valentine's Day. It's all about love. But is that the love that the Bible speaks about? When we talk about Valentine's Day, what kind of love is, is typically we talk about? Feeling the gushy, oh, I love you. Why? Well, because you make me happy. You do things for me. You know, it's, it's an emotional, typically it's an emotional kind of love. But this love here, is there emotion involved in that? Does the Bible say, love God when you feel like it? Love others when they're worthy of love. Love others when they do things for you. No, if God gives a command, you know, again, somebody's parent, do it whether you like it or not. The Bible tells us to love God. It means we follow his commandments. Guess what? Whether you like it or not. Is it hard following God sometimes? It is. Sometimes God's commands make no sense. Or we say, yeah, God, I know you, I know you said to love our neighbor as yourself, but you don't know my neighbor. <laughs> you don't know what they do. You don't know what they've done. And many of us, if not all of us, are familiar when that young man rich young ruler came to Jesus and what did he ask him? Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus shared the story about the good Samaritan. So who is your neighbor? It's not your next door neighbor. Well, not just your next door neighbor. But it's everybody you come across. Everybody in here, right? We cross each other's path. We're all neighbors. And we need to love each other. And not just say, oh yeah, I love I love them, but how do you show it? How do we show that we actually love God and love others? A lot of different ways to do it, but we do it as a church. As a church, we show that we love others. We accept others. We help others when they're in need. We support one another. When somebody suffers, we're there. We, we um, provide for them. We pray for them. So many different ways. So next week as we get into 1 John and we start talking about love and, and light and darkness and, and hate and, and all that stuff, I want you to be thinking about internally, do you, do you love Jesus? Do your actions show that you love Jesus? Because it's one thing to know that God is who he is. Because are there other creatures who know that God is who he is? And are they going to be saved? No. They know it here. They can't deny it here. But they've chosen to reject it. They don't believe in him. And that's my challenge for you as people here. If you know God, but don't know him, don't wait. And how do we go from here to here? How, how did that, that scribe, how could he go? He was so close. Because he knew, he knew the Sunday school answers. Right? He knew this and that. He knew the Bible. As you admit that you're a sinner. 
you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You believe that he died again and rose, rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. He died, he paid the penalty for your sins. Because we've all sinned and fall short to the glory of God. You confess your sins to him. Call on his name. And you will be, what does the Bible say? You will be saved. You will be saved. Amazing. That God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. The Bible even says, Jesus even says, right? Greater love is no man than this, than that he what? Lays down his life for another. Do you love God? Do you love others? What does that mean? Are you willing to die for someone else? That's love. That's the greatest love. Let's pray.